Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of The Package Tourist, hosted by yours truly, The Package Tourist, and the magical mystery tour called Life, Matthew DBI's. Tonight's guest is author Ale Alexandra Ali Riley. Ali has been a writer, reporter for sports as told by a girl since 2016, and she is also a producer for Under the Horizon Productions. Allie has also had a, a lifelong love and fascination with American colonial history and the American Revolution. Tonight, we will be discussing her first book, which was released last September, She Spies, Women of the American Revolution, Their Heroic Missions, and Agent 355 Revealed. Allie, welcome to the show. It's great to have you here. I like to start- Thanks for having me. You know, it's a great honor and privilege. I like to start off by asking you, Allie, what led you to write about female spies before and during the American Revolution? Well, when I was in graduate school, I took an American Revolution course, and I loved my professor. He was so amazing, and he gave us a final project of, he said you could do any paper you want on your final project as long as it's American Revolution centered. So one of the last books we read was talking about um, spying and the cult for spying. So I got into that and I found out it was based on Long Island where my father's family's from. And I was reading the story about Anna Strong, how she lives on Long Island. And after I did my paper with her about them, I kept looking up more. I said, if there was Anna Strong, were there more female spies out there? And it turned out there were. And I'm like, why was none of this ever told? I've been studying American history since I was 13 and I'm 30 now. And I was like, I have never read about any of this. And I felt like I had to be the one to tell their stories. It's fantastic. Now, Allie, how long did it take for you to write this book? Well, this book is based off my master's thesis. I did do my thesis on female spies during the revolution. So I defended my thesis in December of 2020, but my research began in December of 2018 when I was in graduate school. And then I decided to add more to the book once my thesis was defended to see if there was more information I could add, including who I felt Agent 355 was. So I was doing it for about three and a half years. Okay. Now, Ali, now back then there was no such thing as a CIA or an FBI. So right. how exactly were female spies recruited for the Patriot cause? Now, was there a spy master with the Continental Army who, could, who were seeking out potential prospects, or did these female spies volunteer? Many of these women decided to do it on their own. I, I start off the book by talking about Sarah Bradley Fulton. They called her the mother of the Boston Tea Party because once that happened, they noticed there was some injury during the uh, Tea Party race. So she, along with her sister and some other civilians in the Boston area, they turned Boston Common into a field hospital, started helping out there. And then Ann Bailey, a year later, her husband was fighting against Lord Dunmore and she decided to go help spy herself so she get information to help her husband. And most of them, like Lydia Dara, Anna Strong, Peggy Shippen, all the ones I mentioned in my book, they volunteered on their own. They decided to do just go behind the scenes on their own or find their own creative ways of spying. And it was really what helped the Americans win the war. Okay. Now, what sources did you use and uncover while doing your research? Well, before the pandemic hit, I was able to go to uh, George Washington's Mount Vernon in, 
Alexandria, Virginia. I found like a lot of the code books there. I went to the American Revolution Museum in both Philadelphia and uh, Yorktown, Virginia, which I go to way too often for when it's starting to say. But I found a lot of resources there. I also did some like on JSTOR. And then right before COVID hit in January of 2020, my mother and I took a trip to Long Island and we went to Rainham Hall in Oyster Bay and then Three Villages to talk it. And they had so much information on the spy ring and like how to learn. They had taught us how to use invisible ink and all those places along with some books I've read and some of the research I did on JSTOR, it all just came together so perfectly for what I needed. Now, Allie, what was the biggest surprise you discovered while performing your research for this book? Definitely the fact that these stories were not told as much as they should be. I mean, when I was reading about, like uh, like I mentioned, Sarah Bradley Fulton in Boston, or how Lydia Dower like, hid in her own linen closet to spy on them, I was like, I was just amazed that none of this was ever told. When I'm doing all this research about what these women did, Anna Strong with her petticoat line in the backyard, I'm like, you are literally under the eyes of the British. They are watching over you in your own house, and you're risking yourself, but it's paying off. And just reading about all these women, that's what surprised me the most, that these women sacrificed so much to help the Americans win, and their stories are not were never told up until I did. That's what I think surprised me the most. In a sense, you're kind of like me. Hist I have this model that says history abhors a vacuum. And when I write my books, I always try to fill certain vacuums. And that's what you're trying to do, aren't you, Allie? Absolutely. I mean, you know, my professors were so happy that I decided to do this for my thesis. And they were like, this, even themselves were like, you know, this had to be told. Why this was ignored by the history books all these years is beyond them. We always hear the stories of the men, you know, going to battle, sacrificing their lives, which, of course, we remember them for. But you got to remember the women, too. They did the homespun movement. They rallied against the British. They fought in the colonies. They didn't want to become under King George's rule. So, like, they destroyed they refused to buy or wear anything made by the British. I mean, these women went to such great lengths to prove that, you know what, we can fight just as hard as home when they can fight on the battlefield. Now, before the revolution began with this active combat and shooting, what forms of espionage were female American female spies engaging in before the shooting began? Before the revolution, they weren't really doing anything. Like I just said, they were mostly doing the homespun movement, which was their own rally against the colonies, because once the Stamp Act was enacted by King George, and, you know, British women were all through the colonies thinking they owned the place. So there wasn't really more of espionage as they were just fighting back to get their towns back. Like they were annoyed that the flower prices were being raised, that they couldn't feed their families, that the British were taking over like the tailors and shops for clothing, so they just really rallied in their own way that was known as the homespun movement. So before the revolution, they didn't spy as much as they did just fighting for everything else, like clothing and food that they needed for their families. Now, you mentioned about spy networks on Long Island. Now, of course, of course, the famous spy Nathan Hale was, of course, captured during the you know Long Island campaign. Were there any female spies who were like loosely accord, uh, uh, working alongside Nathan Hale? Any involvement with Hale or at all? Any female spies? I could not find any female spies with Nathan Hale. But what I did find interesting was when I was doing the final edits for the book, I kept saying to myself that I want to add more information to like extend the book a little. And the one thing I found so interesting 
was that there was an article published a long time ago. It was only recently discovered, right before I published the book. The article was published in the New York Times in 1976, but somebody dug it up last August that they believe his cousin was the reason he was hanged. Not any woman. They said his cousin went to Harvard while Nathan went to Yale, but they couldn't really prove it. They said there was a whole bunch of information more so in London than there was here, but supposedly that his cousin felt threatened that Nathan was more liked and that Nathan, he planted Nathan's real birth certificate on him and that's why he was able to be captured in that New York bar. But no one really knows, but I was just stunned where I was, re- I have a book on Nathan Hale that I did cite in my book, but when I looked up more, I said, this article was published during the 200th anniversary. Why is it just being put out now? Where was it all these years? <laughs> so I was like stunning when I found this article. I mean, I even said it to my mother, and she's like, we had the New York Times in 76. I said, I know. I said, whoever found this, like, thank you for posting this article. Yeah. This yeah. helped. Okay. Now, Allie, who was Agent, please tell our listeners, who was Agent 355? What was her great contribution in the Patriot cause? And how did you uncover her identity? Well, after doing so much research and reading some other books and learning how they said that Agent 355 was known to be a loyalist, she had a social degree of prominence, she was a very important person, got whatever she wanted, I believe Agent 355 was Peggy Shippen, Benedict Arnold's wife. (laughs) I I am fully convinced when I saw that she knew how to do invisible ink, just like the culprit spiring did. She knew a shopkeeper in Philadelphia who was able to teach her. His name was Joseph Stansberry. He helped her and Benedict learn invisible ink. And when I was reading some of the other books that I found that said she had a degree of social prominence with which Peggy Shippen did than the other women, her father was a judge. He was, she was his youngest child, so she pretty much got whatever she wanted. She was a loyalist and a Tory. She had exclusive ties to anything and everything she wanted. I firmly believe that it was her and that the one thing I found interesting was that when Washington went to meet her, once Andre was captured to find out where Arnold was, she went into hysterics crying, pretending she didn't know where he was. And one of the articles that I cited in my book that I found on JSTOR, it said Peggy had anxiety her whole life. So I'm like, maybe she had some sort of mental illness in the colonies where she may have been loyal to the British, but faked out because she didn't like Andre, so wanted him killed. Mm. And what better way than to do what she did. Now, Allie, does your book deal solely with, like, Washington's army? Do you also discuss, like, female spies, like, in the Southern Department, where, like, Nathaniel Green was fighting in and around, you know, the Carolinas? Do you discuss female spies down there or just strictly around Washington's army? There was one female spy down there, and I'm glad you brought Nathaniel Green, because this is um, who it had to deal with, was that a young girl, she was about 17, her name was Emily Geiger, and she had to bring a message from her father to Nathaniel Green's camp, but as she was crossing through the camp, they wanted to check her. She got caught by one of the British officers' wives, and they demanded her be checked. So she's probably thinking, they got me, what am I going to do? What I thought was so brave of her, and it was just incredible to know her story, the message that she was given, she ripped it up and she ate it, 
but she memorized the message so that when they checked her, they couldn't find anything on her. So she used the excuse that she was going to see a friend and her new baby in order to pass through. And since they couldn't find anything on her, they let her go. But of course, she didn't go see the friend. She went to the camp to give the message. And I thought for 17 years old, in the face of possible death, she did the quickest thing she could think of, and it saved her life. Okay. Um, during the course of your research, how many female spies were caught and imprisoned and or executed during the revolution based on your research? Based on my research, there weren't really, there were none that were executed or killed. There was always that theory that Agent 355 was caught and imprisoned on the HMS Jersey. But when I did my research reading Brian Kilmeade and Don Yeager's book, they said it's practically impossible because women were not allowed on imprisoned warships at the time. So some of the people they thought Agent 355 was, like Elizabeth Bergen, was not her. So from what I found in my research, none of them were executed, none of them were captured. They got by incredibly. Like Lydia Darrow, for example, she hid in her linen closet and wrote down notes because the British invaded her home during the Quartering Act, so she had to let them stay. And then the next morning, she asked to go get flour. They let her go, but her son was fighting for Washington, so she bore him the note of what she heard and helped them clean out. Or Anna Strong was using petticoats as signals, whereas the British assumed, well, she's got 10 kids, she's doing her laundry. You know, we're not going to suspect that, when in reality they should have. But nobody was executed, nobody was hung or killed. They all did it with such ease that no one suspected a thing. Okay. Allie, let's talk about yourself now. Where were you born and raised, and what schools did you attend? I was born and raised in Tom's River, New Jersey, and I went to three different schools. I went to Ocean County College, where I got my associates in liberal arts. Then I transferred to Keene University in Union. I got my bachelor's in communications, and then I, and then I applied and got to Monmouth University, where I got my master's in history about three years ago. Now, when did you develop your love for American colonial and Revolutionary War history? I loved it since I was about 12, 13 years old. I remember when um, we took a class trip to Philly when I was younger, and when we went through all the museums, like we went to like Benjamin, Benjamin Franklin's grave, we went to the Betsy Ross house, and I was just amazed by everything I saw, just learning about the past, and I was like, I think this is something I would probably like. I mean, everybody in my family likes different things. Like my mom's an extra tech, my father's in real estate. But this, I said, I think this would be something I would be good in. And my first book was like a whole, it was like a little mini book about like the size of the Bible. And it had a whole bunch of just random history facts in it that my mom got me. And I've been hooked ever since. Okay. Did any of your ancestors fight in the American Revolution? Have you ever done a trace? I'm doing some ancestry not right now. I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but I did find one ancestor that did. Okay. Uh, and it was really cool to say. Oh, do you know what he did? I mean, who did he serve under? What did he do? He was an officer under the Continental Army. Ooh, I mean, for Washington, Nathaniel Green? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Washington. Okay. Yeah. Okay, Allie, whenever I interview an author on my show, I always love to ask the standard question. When you were growing up, who were your favorite authors? And of those favorite authors, did any of them light the spark inside of you to become a writer or perhaps influence your writing style? 
You know, I always loved reading a lot of the old time books. Like I read um, like Jane Austen, F. Scott Fitzgerald, Charles Dickens, like I read all the Bronze Age sisters. I've read, really read a lot of that stuff. But my grandmother, my mother's mother was always big into history and literature. And she, I would like watch game shows with her growing up all the time. And she always used to say, you know, whenever you watch Jeopardy, you always get all the history questions right. How do you manage to do that? I'm like, I don't know. But, and now I've, as I've grown older, I've gone to like David McCullough's book. I've been reading a lot of Stacey Schiff lately. I can't wait to get her new book. Um, but I read mostly like a lot of the old time stuff, like the 18th, 19th century ones. And I've always loved like F. Scott Fitzgerald, just something about the way he wrote. You know, This Side of Paradise is one of my favorite books. I've always loved the way he wrote. Okay. Allie, please tell our listeners where can readers find this book? So She Spies is available now on Amazon. It's been out since um, September 14th. It's a very short read. You know, I wanted to keep it short and simple just to get to the point. I didn't want to go off on any too many tangents about other stuff that happened in the war. I wanted to focus mainly on the women and what they did. So She Spies is on Amazon right now. Okay. Is it available in stores? Not yet. No, I am still working on that right now. I am having a bit of trouble getting some bookstores to approve it probably only because one it is a short book and two because I independently published it so I'm having a hard time getting people to say yes to carry the book but I'm still working on that so right now it is only on Amazon okay Allie please tell our listeners what will be your next book project and what will be the subject matter and when can we expect its release so I'm working on my second book that should be out sometime in 2025. And I'm kind of excited about this one. It's a complete departure from what I did. It's about kind of my personal life in terms of my papa, my mother's father, who I adore and miss very much. I learned a few months ago that he knew the mafia and he was a bartender to the mob. So I'm telling the story of him and all his crazy secrets about knowing the mob and what they were really like. And, how mafia life really isn't so bad. Wow. Wow. It's pretty cool. I found that out because I even because we didn't we don't really talk about that much. Like my I mean as much my mother adored father and for him. We didn't talk about it too much, but then I was doing my ancestry thing and my mother told me, like, you know, the Bob wanted hookers in that bar. My papa said no, so we had to sell it to them. But when I found his ancestry card, I saw the name of the bar that he said he worked at. So I contacted the mob museum. I was like, you know, can you tell me about this bar that was in Newark, New Jersey, and who my papa possibly knew? And they said, oh, well, like, you know, Meyer Lansky hung out there, Adler's woman hang out, hung out there. And I'm like, so you're technically telling me I'm the granddaughter of the mob, and I didn't even know it. And they're like, yeah, you can pretty much put it that way. I wonder, I'm curious, what mafia family you think was aligned with this bar? I mean, which, which, which mob family? Can you tell me? I'm not sure quite sure yeah, I'm still doing a lot more research on it but I just know that the bar was called Cafe Dubonnet and it was at Park Place in Newark New Jersey and the mob museum just said you know Meyer Lansky frequented there a lot Bugsy Siegel went there a lot before he went out to Vegas and Adner's Loman he was a Russian Jewish monster he was pretty much the Al Capone of New Jersey so he went there a lot I don't know really who the family is I would love to take a trip out to the mob museum and find out more about it because a lot of mafia families had influence in Newark. There was a, Philadelphia, a branch of the Philadelphia mafia family that had a 
uh, regime in Newark. Uh, the, the Gambino family had a regime in Newark. I think the Genovese family had a regime in Newark. I think the Lucchese's did too. I'm kind of curious about that. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to find out which one exactly. But like when they told me that, I was just like, you know, I mean, I have some pictures of my papa and I'm just like, I, you know, I mean, I told my best friend about it and she was like, is it weird? I'm like, it's kind of weird. And then it's so funny because after my papa died, my grandmother dated again, but she didn't date to marry. She just like casually dated. And then there was another guy she dated who was also in the mob. I'm like, where's my grandmother find these men? Where did my grandmother in the mob? Well, <laughs> I only know him with Bo and that he was the accountant. And I'm like, oh my God. Wow. What is with my grandmother? What, how did she find these men? Yeah. So, but my mother was like, I don't remember how she met Bo, but she met Papa. She was actually out at the bar with a friend and she got drunk and fell at the bar stool. Papa leaned over to see if she was okay, and that was it. Allie, you say you're in your profile, you're a writer and reporter for Sports as Told by a Girl. Please tell our listeners about that. What's that all about? Sure. I started with um, Ashley, my amazing editor. I've known her for about eight years now. And I started writing with her when I was getting my bachelor's degree because I was very involved with sports writing. I played baseball growing up. I'm a big hockey nut. I stream and live by the New York Rangers. And I just started writing for her, and she helped me get some credentials for a couple games. And I just love writing under her. I cover the Rangers weekly. I write some articles about trades or buyouts or injuries with the team. And I just loved writing under her. I mean, getting to work with the Rangers under her has been so much fun. And, you know, I'm trying to focus more on history now and would try to make the film on the, move, on the book. But... I love writing under Ashley. I mean, this is a great opportunity. Like, you know, she's always looking for writers. And, you know, even though I was unpaid with her, it was more like freelance I did with her. It's a great opportunity. Like, if you want to like, try to get your foot in the door with some writing for sports, she's a great place to start. I mean, she's not demanding at all. She just says, even if you do, like, one article a week, she's okay with it. And that's what I've been doing with her. Okay. It's, it's great writing for her. Now you're also a producer for Under the Horizon Productions. What what it tells what what's that company do Under the Horizon Productions? What what is it involved in? That's the one I started because I would love to turn She Spies into either a film or a documentary or like a docu series. I've been in contact with some other filmmakers and directors and some pitch deck um, individuals to help me get started. I'm meeting with one on Thursday to hopefully get my pitch deck going and start pitching the studio to hopefully turn this book into something we could put either like on Netflix or on the History Channel or any sort of streaming to get these stories out more. Allie, I want to thank you so much. In fact, let me know when your next book comes out because I want I want you on my show again, okay? Of course. Yes. Yes. Uh, Allie, I want to thank you so much for being on the show, and I wish you the best of luck in your future projects, and I can't wait to have you on the show again, okay? Absolutely. Thank you so, so much. You're very welcome. You take care. Thank you. You too. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Stay tuned, ladies and gentlemen, for my next show, where I will be interviewing sports author Mark Cram, Jr. Thank you, and good night.